so last week uh, we talked about uh, the historicity of Jesus, the historicity of the Gospels, the reliability of the Gospel accounts. And I want to uh, I want to pick up a theme because it is uh, March 20th, right? And so we are at the spring equinox. Spring is beginning, and we reach the tipping point where the days will get longer and there will be more light than darkness. And uh, <clears throat> also, it's the uh, it's the Easter season or the Lent season for Christians. It is uh, people who celebrate or hold to other traditions often ha- have you know their own traditions and symbols and celebrations around this same time. And we're moving under a different zodiac sign. So we're leaving Pisces and we're moving into Aries and Aries is the ram or the lamb. And so I want to bring all of this stuff kind of together and talk about a different way to look at scripture for some people anyway, and bring all of this together with uh, this whole idea of rebirth and renewal and how it works, maybe how it's working out globally for us and how it works out individually as well. So let's talk about, first of all, lay some foundation for people that may not know this or may have forgotten if you've been listening to me for a long time. Let's just get to review this. But uh, <clears throat> there is this concept. Uh, most of us are familiar with the Zodiac, the Zodiac signs, uh, connected to the horoscope. A lot of us don't understand how any of that works, but essentially there are, uh, the 12 Zodiac signs, each one governs a different month of the year. And then whatever sign you were born under determines your Zodiac sign. Very, very oversimplified, but trying to make it, uh, relevant to where people are at. I'm just saying most people are familiar with you know, if you're born from, say, February 20th, roughly to March 19th, March 20th, then you are born under the sign of Pisces. And so you'd say you're a Pisces. If you're born, say, March 19th or 20th, 21st to around uh, the next month of April, the same time, then you're in Aries. I'm born between sort of the August 20th window and the September 20-something window. So I'm a Virgo. Those are all our, our sun signs. So we're familiar with those. But the ancients believed in, and science is catching up in what was known as the procession of the equinox. And what that meant was that they believed that not only were the signs changing, let's say as the earth is traveling around the sun for each month, a lot of scientists now believe that the uh, solar system itself is revolving around a central point. And so as the solar system is traveling through the uh, universe, it also undergoes different signs that mark different ages. So there would be a dominant sign for each age as the solar system itself moves through the constellations. And so this was known as the procession of the equinox. And so there were certain signs and elements that ruled over various different ages. Now, we established last week, and again, I'm going to say this again, Bible scholarship has established uh, with consensus that the gospel narratives that tell us the story of Jesus, the four gospels, are not eyewitness accounts 
They're not uh, fact-based. They People who wrote those weren't thinking like embedded journalists over somewhere trying to get the story and get the facts correct. They weren't thinking like investigators. Those are modern ways of thinking. What they were doing was telling a story. They were telling a story with a certain theological bent for a certain purpose. So rather than these gospel accounts being eyewitness accounts of people who walked with Jesus, it turns out that they're written decades, decades later by communities and all these, and, and they're competing communities, really. So for whatever reason, in the first century in Palestine, and then later throughout the Roman Empire, there sprung up this Jesus story, and there were these competing Jesus groups. So, for example, you have Pauline Christianity, you have Paul giving his version of his Jesus, and you have Matthew being written probably to counter the Johannine version of things. <clears throat> you had the Gnostic Gospels, all that kind of stuff. So these aren't eyewitness accounts. So what is the story that they're telling and why are they telling the story? So I want to just point out some interesting parallels with this. So, again, I said at the beginning of the program that we're moving into a new zodiac sign, sun sign for the month, which is Aries. And Aries is a ram. So I want you to watch how the stories are told. Uh, the crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, for the most part, in the Gospels, is a retelling, a reshaping, or a reformatting of the Exodus narrative of the Jews, the narrative that they were slaves in Egypt, and that Moses came, and through mighty signs and wonders, Moses brought them out of Egypt into the wilderness and was leading them into the promised land. So everything about the story of Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection is operating off of the schematic or the theme or the metaphor of the Passover. So I want to go back and look at the Passover story. So in the Passover story, you have a nation of people who, for the most part, don't know who they are. They don't know who their God is. And they've been slaves for something like 430 years building financial capital for the Egyptians, being enslaved by the Egyptians. And Moses, uh, you know, floats down the Nile River and gets drawn from the river. That's where his name comes from and gets raised in Pharaoh's house only to later be banished from Egypt for 40 years and wander in the wilderness himself for sort of his own 40-year journey, which prefigures what's going to happen later. It's very clearly a story, but it's a masterful story in many ways. So then he meets God at the burning bush, and God sent him back into Egypt, and he performs all these signs and wonders and miracles. Until finally, the last sign, this is important, the last sign is, (laughs) now remember, there's an exodus, there's a leaving. So the last sign is that an angel is going to pass over and kill all of the firstborn of Egypt, including the animals. 
except where he sees, the angel death sees, on the doorposts or over the doors, the blood of a lamb that was shed. Now, you got to ask yourself, why the blood of a lamb that was shed? Why not the blood of a goat or the blood of a bull or the blood of a bird? Why did it have to be a lamb that was killed? Why did it have to be lamb's blood over the doorposts? Why did it have to be lamb that they consumed before they went out of their door, exited out of their house, and then exited out of slavery and out of Egypt, the exodus? Well, because Moses represents the shifting of an astrological age. Abraham represents the shifting of an astrological age. So you can say that the age that became, sorry, the age that Moses is initiating is the age of Aries. And this happens, this Passover celebration happens under the sign of Aries. So because it happens in the springtime under the sign of Aries, then there needs to be a lamb. And because there's a shifting of the ages, there needs to be a lamb. So prior to the age of Aries was the age of Taurus. And Abraham represents the beginning of the age of Taurus. So from Abraham, moving forward, you have the story of the patriarchs until you get to uh, Joseph. <laughs> and then Joseph goes down into Egypt and rescues his family from famine, and they multiply and they multiply and they multiply until they become this great nation. And that's when the Pharaoh, who did not know Joseph, decided to enslave the Israelites. So now Moses is signifying the end of one age, the age of Taurus, and the beginning of another age, which is the age of Aries, which is why Moses was a shepherd. It's why David was a shepherd. Uh, it's why they had a lamb at the Passover, specifically at this time of year. So now Jesus comes along. Fast forward centuries later, Jesus comes along. And Jesus represents then, excuse me, the herald of a new age or the end of the age of Aries <laughs> and the beginning of the age of Pisces. So Jesus is revealed in John's gospel, at least as the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But when Jesus is talking about his death, burial, resurrection, he says, to the Jews of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and whoever else, he says to them, you're a wicked and unbelieving generation, watch this, who seeks after a sign. Now, remember, the blood over the doorpost was a sign, right? The Passover, the whole thing was a sign to the Egyptians. And now uh, Jesus says, you're an evil and adulterous and unbelieving generation that seeks after a sign. Right. But no sign shall be given to you. Signs in the heavens. No sign shall be given to you except the sign of 
Jonah, who was three days and three nights in the belly of a whale, just like Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, so shall the Son of Man uh, be three days and three nights in the hearts of the earth, but shall rise again. So <laughs> the sign that he's talking about is the shifting of the age. So he dies when he says it is finished uh, on the cross. He's saying it's the end of an age. And the sign that's given is this. So you could say this. He dies as the final lamb sacrifice, the final Passover lamb, the end of the age of Aries. And then he goes into a fish because what's coming next is Pisces and Pisces are two fish. So he goes into the belly of a fish and then Jonah gets vomited up. So Jesus, when he raises from the dead, he's talking about really the death of the age of Aries and the birthing of the age of Pisces. That's why a fish vomits him. Uh, that's why the sign of the fish, the sign of the fish will be given to you. So Jesus shows up and now he's not <clears throat> into animal sacrifices. Uh, the early church in the book of Acts is not into animal sacrifices. They're into baptism, water, because Pisces is a water sign. Uh, Jesus is calling no longer shepherds. He's calling fishers of men. Jesus has 12 disciples to represent the 12 signs of the Zodiac, just like there were 12 nations. So it's a retelling of the Passover, but it's also the shifting of an age. So Moses is responsible for the shifting of an age. Jesus is responsible for the shifting of the age. And that's part of what these stories are about. And all of them revolve around this time period uh, or kind of the focal point is the age. I'm sorry, is the sign of Aries. It's the sign of lamb or it's springtime. So when you think about springtime, you think about new life. You think about renewal. You think about warmth. You think about light. You think about the buds, you know, the 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 blossoms. And and so all of these traditions, as far as I understand them, I'm not an expert on any of them, but as far as I understand them, that celebrate some kind of, that have some kind of spring equinox celebration. They're celebrating fertility. They're celebrating new life. They're celebrating renewal, um, and change, a passing away of something, a passing away of winter, a passing away of death, a passing away of darkness and a new day, a new light, new life coming. So watch this. So for the children of Israel that were in Egypt, they were slaves to Pharaoh building Pharaoh's Cities, but when they come under the sign of the blood of the lamb and they leave their door, right? They're, they're, they're walking out. They're exiting a place that they have lived or a place that they've, well, not just uh, a physical place. The physical place represents a mindset. It represents a place internally, a sense of identity. Let's do it that way. Their identity was as slaves. Their, they, they didn't have an identity as the people of Yahweh or as the people of God. So there's a death to their sense of self. There is a death to their sense of identity, but there's an exodus into a better future. There's an exodus into a new day. There's an exodus into new life and into new renewal. So they're leaving one level and going to another level. Can you see that? So that's happening under the blood of the lamb. Now, for uh, then Jesus, <laughs> uh, it's also the end of an age, 
But the metaphor of death, burial, and resurrection, Paul, in his letters, picks this up. We know that Paul was the first Christian to be writing. Who knows what Paul saw or how he got his revelation. I'm not into that. I'm just saying that he then begins to talk about baptism as a joining in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. To leave an old life of bondage, to leave an old life of slavery, to walk away from what was... uh past and to walk into something new. So, by the way, in the early church for centuries, for hundreds of years, uh, baptisms didn't just happen when you got born again or saved. I mean, what we have in modern evangelicalism is nothing like historic Christianity. Uh, the, the Christian <coughs> churches operated on a Christian calendar, uh, a holy or sacred calendar, <coughs> and baptisms would always take place on Palm Sunday. So it would always take place at the same time of springtime for a time of, you know, out with the old, in with the new, breaking uh, chains of the old, bondages, limitations, living in a place of limitation. Again, obviously, no Christian that was baptized was crucified with Christ in a literal way or raised with Christ in a literal way. Had nothing to do with that, just like there probably wasn't a literal bunch of slaves in Egypt that left uh, uh, with a literal Moses and walked through a literal wilderness. I think it's talking about stages of renewal. I think it's talking about where we live mentally and emotionally. It's talking about frames of consciousness that we have. And so these periods represent a breaking free of consciousness, living at a new place mentally and emotionally, living in a new place with a new sense of identity. It's really about identity. You're identifying now with Christ. That's what Paul said in baptism. When the Israelites left, they were identifying now with Moses. They were identifying with Yahweh on the mountain. They were identifying with the Torah and the law. No longer identified as slaves in Egypt. So it's all about shedding an old identity, an old sense of self, and taking on this new, uh, more liberated, more empowered, more free sense of self. That's the entire point of the narrative in addition to the shifting wages. Now, something that happens though that's so interesting that we missed, if we don't understand how the astrological stories are being told, So Moses is the prophet of a new age. He's the prophet of the age of Aries. And he goes away onto the mountain to get the, to get the law. And he's gone for 40 days. And the people go to his brother Aaron and they say, we don't know where this man Moses has gone. Make us a God that we can follow. And so they take their jewelry and specifically their earrings. Once you get this, they take their gold earrings and Aaron collects all of this. He takes this gold and he throws it into the fire. Now this is really important because unless I'm mistaken, Aries is a fire sign, right? So he throws it into the fire, and out comes a bull, not a lamb. Now, the age that precedes Aries is Taurus. 
So he holds up a bull and he says, this is your God that brought you up out of Egypt. Now, why a bull? Why not a lamb? Because it was the blood of the lamb that brought them up out of out of Egypt. So it's an earring, right? So what he's showing, what this is showing is it's showing that in this transitional period of leaving the old and stepping into the new, that we can get frozen, we can get stuck, we can get cast, our ears are cast in the mold of what was. Our ears are cast in the mold. Our ability to comprehend is cast in the age that was. So even though they're moving into an age of Aries and Moses is trying to move them forward, all the people with their earrings, you get it? All the people are still hearing, only able to hear the sound of the bull, the sound of Taurus. They're only able to hear the bull. And so this happens with us in our lives individually as we're going through change and transformation, but it also happens collectively in the age in which we live, right? Because uh, what, what we see in, in Scripture was that then people turned on Moses and wanted to go back to Egypt. And that's what's symbolically being represented with the, with the golden uh, calf uh, event. They want to go back to Egypt. They want to turn on Moses. They, they're, they're fighting against him. Uh, in, in the New Testament is full of stories of the Jews, you know, fighting against this message of, of grace and liberation that Paul's bringing or that Jesus is the Messiah, uh, taking them out of a na- national identity in some sense. And <laughs> at least in Paul's case, trying to incorporate the Gentiles in with that. So people weren't able to hear the new sound because they were stuck in the old sound. They weren't able to be programmed by the new voice because they're stuck listening to the sounds of the old voices. And this is why we don't change. There's risk involved with change. There's uncertainty involved with change. And every time, uh, so, so spring represents this time when we enter into the change. Uh, we've gone through the death of winter. We've gone through the deconstruction of the dark seasons uh of 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 that season of our life um where we're stripped of our old identity we're stripped of our old consciousness or whatever and we're just kind of laying dormant and then things begin to spring up new ideas begin to spring up we begin to resonate with something new we begin to listen to a different voice and it becomes risky it becomes risky because we don't see the fruit right away right we don't see the fruit until the fall we're just seeing the beginnings of of new life that's happening and it's exciting and whatever but we can become scared we can become frightened and we fall back into the old we fall back into the more familiar voices uh, we, you know, inside of us are sheep that know the voice of our shepherd, our former shepherd, right? So if you think about these things metaphorically, they're so powerful then because it, it can become hard to change because we have to listen to new thoughts and new ideas. We have to uh, contemplate things and consider the fact that maybe perhaps what we believed before uh, was wrong. That's tough to take with, uh, you know, our pride and that kind of stuff, or uh, the new voice becomes threatening, or we lose our sense of security because there was security. At least in Egypt, you knew that you were going to have leeks and onions or whatever. Now you're out in the wilderness. You don't know what you're going to eat. You don't know what you're going to drink. And there's all this dependence for daily manna and all, all this stuff. There's so many lessons in there, so many life lessons that can be drawn from that if you want to. Um, 
And so the interesting thing is, is that now I believe, and a lot of other people believe too, that we have come to the end of the age of Aries. We're at the end of the age of the, uh, I'm sorry, the age of Pisces. We're at the end of the age of Pisces. And we're stepping into the age of Aquarius. Now, Aquarius, Pisces is two fish. They're kind of chained together and trying to swim, try to get them both swimming the same direction. Uh, what age are we in? Aquarius. Aquarius is, uh, is the one who watered the gardens of the heavens. He's the man with the water pitcher in his hands. And so just like there was a new age being represented in the telling of the story of Moses, just like there's a new age being represented in the telling of the story of Jesus. And just like there are people that can, that, that are hearing the sound of the new age, they're hearing and recognizing the change and the shift and the transition. And so they're awakening to something new and going through this deconstruction and stripping of identity and sense of loss. And who am I? And what am I? And does my life make sense under these old paradigms anymore? Or my life doesn't make sense under these old paradigms anymore. Um, so I'm willing to leave the old paradigms. I'm willing to leave uh, you know, my former religion or my former faith or my former identity or my way of being and expressing myself in the world. And when you awaken to that, you look at the old and you say, wow, that was slavery. And you're trying to follow something new, but somewhere in there, the new voice leaves your life for a while. <laughs> and, and there's a temptation to go back to the old paradigms and the old parameters because these uh, ages take, um, you know, a couple thousand years to transpire. Now, I want you to get this. Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, not to the end of the world, not to the end of the cosmos, but to the end of the aeon, to the end of the age. They understood exactly what he was talking about. And so in one story about the Passover, there's a foreshadowing in there because uh, Jesus tells two of his disciples, you're going to go into the city, you're going to go into the city, and you're going to find a man with a water pitcher in his hand. Now, the thing you got to understand is that carrying water was women's work back in that time period. Men didn't carry that. So there's a hint there in the scriptures that says he's talking about Aquarius. Follow the man with the water pitcher in his hand. Keep your eyes set and follow Aquarius. He'll take you up into an upper room, and there all things will be made ready. There all things will be made ready. So basically what he's saying is he's saying that everything that's happening in Pisces is a preparation for Aquarius, that you're to follow the man with the water pitcher in his hand. And when he takes you into the upper room, when the, when when, when um, Aquarius comes into ascension as the uh, dominant sign, then all things have been made Ready. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So now we're in the shifting of a new age. Now we're in a completely different time period. And so <laughs> uh, the old is passing away and all things are being made new. Right. The old is passing away. All things are being made new. Or now remember, I said springtime is also a time of fertility. Right. And so. We really are in the birth pains. We're in the birth pains collectively, globally as humanity, when the structures of the age of Pisces 
are collapsing and dying so that something new can be birthed out of that. Something new can be manifested out of that. And as human beings do, we're fighting and trying to cling to the old structures, uh, whether it's, you know, the Russian guy over there trying to reestablish the old Soviet empire or whether it is this two-party system in America that's no longer working for us that we're trying to hold on to or whether it's religious systems and structures and beliefs and ideas that people are clinging to or whether it is uh, just, I mean, the world, come on, guys, anybody that's lived more than 30 years can testify to how much the world is changing, how rapidly it's changing and how quickly it's changing and how scary that can be just from the sense of technology, just from the sense of communications, just from the sense of virtual reality programs and artificial intelligences and how we connect now more over social media and electronic devices rather than uh, having, you know, face to face time together and, and real presence and real community. You know, nobody joins bowling leagues anymore. Nobody joins service organizations much anymore. Um, even the church community, like it transitioned, you know, when I was growing up, the church was the center of the community. And it was about a place for the community to gather. The, the beliefs and the preaching and the service was there, but it was there to serve the purpose of the gathering of community. Um, and then it became more about, you know, you have to believe like us. And then it turned into the megachurch phenomenon where it became a business and it became a Hollywood-esque uh, to where it's really most people just go for entertainment on Sunday mornings. Um, we have our little uh, celebrity cultures, our little miniature celebrity cultures. It isn't so much about connection and community and that kind of stuff anymore. And so all that stuff's kind of gone away. Now we're connecting electronically. Uh, in a few years, maybe five years, we'll be connecting uh, virtually in, with holograms and virtual reality type uh, stuff. You can see Facebook's already going that direction with Meta. So all these structures, the healthcare system uh, is being shaken, right? And uh, the political systems are being shaken. Political ideologies are being shaken. Uh, relationships are being shaken. I'm no, I'm not with the same people I used to, used to hang with. Uh, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. Um, I'm ready for the new thing, you know, to come into my life. Uh, the people that I connect with the best now, uh, intellectually, in terms of values, in terms of things that we have in common, are a lot of you guys that I've met online. And so, you know, no offense to anybody that maybe I'm not hanging with anymore, but it's not, you know, there's no bitterness or, or hurt feelings or anything like that. It's just I, you know, as I was going through this metamorphosis process and I would hang around people uh, and Julie was the same way. We'd hang around people. We'd just be like, yeah, that wouldn't fun. These are not my people. Like I, I can't connect on the same level anymore. And so I was being inspired, inspired, inspired to connect with something else. So now let's bring it down to an individual level at where I think the message of the age of Aquarius is at. And um, someone on here that speaks to this a lot is Doug Wentz. Uh, 
So I have to tip my cap to Doug on some of this. Um, but remember I said that Pisces is two fish that are tied together. So when you think about that, they could be swimming and pulling in different directions. And so to get anywhere, to make any progress, they have to come together and swim together in alignment. And so what Pisces was exposing and really bringing forth in the collective consciousness of humanity, so we would experience it both individually and collectively, is uh, division and struggle. Division and struggle. This happens internally with the message of the New Testament, at least, being flesh and spirit. <clears throat> I've got one fish that is spirit. I've got one fish that is flesh. And they're at war with each other. They're not cooperating with each other. So I'm at war with myself. And uh, there's a Native American proverb that says you have two wolves that live inside of you. And whichever wolf you feed will become the strongest talking about these two natures in other Eastern um, religions, uh, religions from the East, then you're battling with the ego, the false self, um, trying to reach the no self, or you're battling with Maya, which is the illusion of the world that is in front of you. So all of these systems, and one thing they have in common is it creates a split on the inside to where there's a part of me that has to be reformed or changed. There's a part of me that I have to reject. There's a part of me that I have to fight against. There's a part of me that's not holy. But by the same token, there's a part of me that is. There's an angel and devil inside of me. There's a, a, a good wolf and a bad wolf inside of me. There's a heavenly nature and a human nature uh, <laughs> inside of me. And these things are in conflict or in war with one another. <clears throat> now, um, so that's that's what marked that age, right? So then, with the age of with the age of uh, Aquarius, the man with the water pitcher in his hand. Now, even though he has a water pitcher in his hand, it's an air sign. Aquarius is an air sign. And air has to do with thoughts and knowledge, which is why we're seeing so much increase in thought and knowledge. It's also why we're seeing wireless technology and stuff that allows us to communicate stuff like this. Uh, it's why the misinformation war is out there because you could, we're just being baptized, if you will, in a bath of information. That's a sign that we're in the age of Aquarius. But ultimately, he waters the heavens. He's the man who waters the heavens and you don't have the two fish anymore struggling together. And so one of the things, I think the first, the first fruit, if you will, the first fruit of the age of Aquarius is this, that no longer are, do we have to think, no longer do we have to think in terms of two fish, two different natures, higher nature, lower nature, Heavenly nature, earthly nature, spirit, flesh, true self, false self, or ego, presence, ego. All that stuff is still Piscean language because it's dividing and putting us at war with ourselves. Or it's dehumanizing us. Or it's dehumanizing aspects of ourselves. Um, <clears throat> so if you think about this, uh, 
in terms of another biblical reference in Acts, Peter has a vision. And for those that don't know, um, the kosher laws, eating the correct food and staying away from the unclean food was really important to the Jews. In Jesus' day, it was very much a moral issue for them. So Peter sees all these unclean animals, things that they were forbidden to eat, things that would make them impure. And here's a voice that says, what I have cleansed, do not call unclean. What I've made clean, do not call unclean. And so this is an age or a time period of integration and wholeness and no longer calling anything about yourself unclean. There can be things about yourself that you want to change because they're limiting you or they're no longer working for you or they're bringing pain in your life. And you can do that without calling it unclean. You can do that without demonizing any of it. You can do that without being divided against, excuse me, without being divided against yourself. Uh, you can do that in a very harmonious sort of way. <clears throat> so that's the first like mindset. This is a complete paradigm shift. And it's so hard for us to hear this because we're so used to this dividing, this dualism of light and darkness or good and evil within us. Even within our cosmology, our metaphysical cosmology as Christians or believers that there's a God out there that's all good and all light and all perfect and all pure. And there is a devil out there that's all wicked and all darkness and all evil. I see this being propagated in certain, uh, from certain people like on my Facebook page or whatever that are quote unquote awakening, but they're talking about, you know, a dimension of light, whether it's the fifth dimension or whether it's the fourth density or it's, uh, I'm calling beings that are all love and light. See, and then there's a demonizing of um, I don't know, reptilian aliens or, uh, you know, there's this darkness over here. So we're still struggling with this dualism, which is the two fish of Pisces. And so as long as you're stuck in those systems, as long as you're looking for those systems, as long as you need to find an other out there to hate, <clears throat> whether it's someone at work or someone in your individual life, or it's a mysterious cabal of people that are out there uh, running the world and, and, and just evil people that are deceiving you and tyranny and control. As long as you're looking for the other, as long as you're fighting against tyranny, um, as long as it's us against them, as long as it's conservatives against liberals or liberals against conservatives, as long as it's, uh, <clears throat> uh, as long as there's some evil other, you're still stuck in the scapegoating mechanism. If, if they would just get right, if they would just change, if they would just do right, then all would be right in the world. And so we're going to do everything to push back. We're going to, we're going to push back against this tyranny. See, it's the, it's the fish. Uh, we want to tyrannize you. No, we're going to push back against the tyranny. Um, and, and so as long as we're stuck in those systems, as long as we're playing those games, then we're stuck in the Piscean age and the Piscean system. And so really there's a laying down sort of of our weapons, but it begins by laying down the weapons against our self. So just be aware. You don't have to understand the whole new paradigm. I don't understand it. I'm confident that I'm hearing a voice, that I'm hearing a sound of a new age. 
and it's resonating with me. But you don't have to completely understand the new paradigm because it's difficult to get. But just be alerted to and watch out for things that sound dehumanizing or philosophies and teachings that would lead to any kind of alienation from yourself, whether that's alienating yourself from your own ego, whether that's alienating yourself from your own mind or your own feelings, whether that is alienating yourself from your desires, from your body. Uh, I'm tuning out of the body to tune into uh, the higher realms of consciousness, and I'm ascending above human, uh, uh, this level in this realm. Anything that speaks of dualism, us versus them, the evil other that's out there, just pay attention to those frames and those those thoughts and those ideas and how those things are still being sown into us and sown into the earth. And I believe those are part of a former age. What's the new age going to look like? I don't know exactly what the new age is going to look like. I don't think Christianity in a few centuries is going to look anything, if it's still around at all, it's going to look anything like what it looks like today. Um, so anyway, I hope that was helpful for you. Um, I want to encourage you, let this springtime be a time of renewal for you. Uh, if there's, if you have an old passion, uh, that, and by passion, I mean a hobby that you laid down, a dream that you laid down, a project that you laid down, uh, now's a good time for renewal. Now is a good time if you want to work on something about yourself that is no longer serving you or that you want to change or transform about yourself. That's okay. We still do that. We just do it without demonizing it um, and being at war with ourselves. So now is a good time to do that. So anyway, hope uh, hope this was a blessing to you. Thank you again for joining me for this. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I will see you next week.